this episode of Consider This, we are going to be spending some time discussing uh, what we need to be thinking about and through uh, this Lenten season, Easter season, thinking about the cross. There's a lot of stuff that is just said casually, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's also probably uh, very important for us to stop and to think more intentionally about what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross for us. Uh, Ryan Vincent, one of our adult pastors here at Sunnybrook, and myself, Jim Johnson, are going to be discussing that today, and I hope that it is a blessing and an encouragement and a challenge to you. Uh, Do you remember watching The Passion? The Mel Gibson one? Yeah. Yep. Was there another one? Well, I don't. I didn't. I don't think of that in like the movie title. I think okay. of it as like the passion scenes of. There's okay. been a yeah. number of. Them. No, no, I get it, dude. I, but yes, I'm the just passion. asking the question. I saw. I, it. Yeah, I feel like remember. you're being defensive. <laughs> I'm not. Okay. Um, would you would you think of it? I thought it was really good. It's, it's almost perfect, except for its association with the director's name. <laughs> um, uh, I I really liked it. I thought it was. I thought it it. <coughs> It probably of the other versions I'd seen, and yep. maybe it's modern cinema, cinematography, sure. but it it did it went out of its way to portray like the gruesome nature of it. Yeah, which maybe it, I don't know if that was the point of it, but it's it was an aspect of it that I hadn't seen in another account of it. See, and I never understood. I mean, I under I, I understood many of the complaints about the the movie. Not that I agreed with them, but I could at least. I mean, we're always supposed to try to empathize with another position before we decide to dismantle it or attack it, right? So, man, it seems like they're making uh, the Jewish people responsible for this. Well, okay, I mean, but the gospel accounts, there was a Jewish man named Judas who was the one who betrayed him, and there were Pharisees back then who clearly were the ones. Um, I've never understood how you blame all the Jewish people since, one, the one who was killed was Jewish, and all of his followers at the beginning were all Jewish people, so... It's not like one got it right and the others got it wrong. I mean, yeah. So, <clears throat> but here's what's interesting. So I understood like some of the critiques of it. I don't think I ever understood the why did they have to make it look so gross? Yeah. Like that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, I think I mean our our cross we have in this room is almost cartoonish. I mean, that's how stained glass windows work. <laughs> but it's it's sanitized, sterilized yeah. and yeah. color bo- coloring booked. Yeah. In a sense, you could understand how, like, a a Roman Catholic, which Mel Gibson is, right? Yep. Yep. A you, pre-Vatican II Roman Catholic. So you he can still understand, believes in the Latin Mass and all that. You can understand how he is going to be a far more comfortable with the gruesomeness, because if you go and look at how they portray the cross, sure. it's a crucifix. Yep. Like, you see the, the corpse on, on the way that they, they portray the cross. So if, uh, if you're talking to a primarily Protestant audience, which I assume you would have been, I can understand how it was. There was a, d- a deep contrast from how they're used to dealing with the cross. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I get, for example, I get like a mom saying to me, "I kind of wish my kids could watch it, but I don't know if my, you know, probably not like a five-year-old, but I don't even know if my nine-year-old could handle something like that." I understand that. Um, there might be an appropriateness. I still remember believing my kids needed to watch Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. And so Andrea thought they were still too young, by the way. But, um, but, but you want them to know the harsh reality of yeah. things. And obviously, the cross is one of the most. No, it is the most uh, complicated and very harsh realities mm-hmm. that we actually have in Scripture: the death of God. Well, and should you should you like really dig into the the historicity of 
Roman crucifixion. Um, Mel Gibson still gave us a cleaned up version of it. See, and that's what I like to remind people as well. I mean, when you look at it, and again, I don't know exactly what happened to Jesus, but many of those who were in fact crucified, the the whipping and the tearing away, I mean, those things were designed to not just tear f- flesh, rip out bone, but to rip out bone. And many to, people to never made it to the cross. They yeah. died being scourged. They died yeah. being scourged. So when you have that, obviously there's a, there's a there's a lot going on. I, you know, just kind of as an aside, I thought it was really really awesome. Um, that every word that was spoken was most likely the way they spoke, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I really thought that was even helpful for me to 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 hear the language. I mean, uh, I I don't know. I, I I really 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 enjoyed it. I would even say this. Um, still remember walking out of the theater that night, and it was happening while I was watching it. Um, one of the most. Uh, uh, experientially I was experientially aware through that through that visual of the consequence of my sin mm. like what my sin um, did or caused or however you want to look at that which yeah. is what we want to talk about today is yep. like what's going on on the cross so you know I think I think that image a few years ago and I, th- I think it's actually good to do it occasionally I, as a family meaning right now it's just me and my wife um, I think we'll probably watch it again. This Good Friday, after we have a Good Friday service coming up, but after that, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if sometime that weekend we we try to watch that, and it's usually dark in our living room with silence and reflectively thinking through it. Um, I don't know. Anything else about the movie? <laughs> about the movie. That weird, that weird like man baby thing. That was dumb. <laughs> I thought um, that was that really was just that made no sense. I guess he was trying to. Who knows what he's trying to do? Yeah. There, give the the the. There's one scene in um, uh, Lethal Weapon I didn't like either, but that's <laughs> for another podcast. You know, one thing that I I, re- I remember about the movie, and it's probably been ten years since I've actually watched. It. I probably will watch it again this year. But um, I remember thinking he only has whoever the writing team was. They they only have creative license to work on really. Sure, sure. But the. Uh, the interplay in Gethsemane between oh. Jesus and Satan was fascinating yes. for me. Yes, yes, yes. So I thought that, that that brought a new dimension that even if it's historical fiction, again, they don't have like yep. the biblical, like yep. there's no script in that in either of the four Gospels. Um, it, it still really resonated with me just how dark that night leading up to it was. Yep. So Well, and it, it's interesting. I, I, I thought that the, the portrayal of Satan... Which honestly, we're still really talking about the cross. What 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 had what did Satan have to do with it? What did uh, um, what did Judas have to do with it? What did the, the the religious leaders in Jerusalem in the first century have to do with it? What did our sin have to do with it? You know, what was Jesus Christ accomplishing? I I did love um, the 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 way that Satan kind of had this not beautiful but possibly yeah uh, beautifulness to him. He's not red with. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like it wasn't. It wasn't clearly evil, but it was clearly off. Yeah. I thought that was. I thought that was good because he had a. The, I thought that they did a. I thought that they. It was the right call to give him a creepily angelic. Yeah. Presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. And then the other thing I really loved was the stomping of the snake. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a, a great portrayal of what was really happening. Yeah. Um. 
So let's let's talk a little bit more about that. I mean, uh, you know, we you've really been <clears throat> uh, you've been you've been the one behind a lot of the sending. Well, you've been the one behind all of the sending out of the Lenten devotionals, which are trying to get our minds and our hearts to prepare for Easter, mm-hmm. which is obviously we'll celebrate on Easter morning the resurrection of Christ, which is uh, appropriate. But we're before we do that, we don't we can't have a resurrection yep. without a crucifixion. Um, so what are some of the thoughts that you've been kind of generating in terms of uh, what, 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 what we are trying to accomplish in the hearts and the minds of our people and how we should prepare to celebrate Easter morning going through the way of the cross? Yes, the way that I've been talking about it differently this year is as we've done, um, and we've done some semblance of, of the Lenten season for a number of years now, but we've done a little bit more this year. I've been talking about that um, that Resurrection Sunday is is it is the Christian high holiday. Sure, it, you can call it and Christmas one A and one B, but I think the if I were to ask Paul, I think he would say Resurrection Sunday sure, is sure, Easter sure. is is the high holiday. I would call it one and two. One and two. One and two. Even though the incarnation is amazing, but yeah, yes. I, but I, I understand what you're saying. Yep. Um, and it's supposed to be like if it is the 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 celebration and the remembrance and the the worship around the central act that determines our faith, which is how, again how Paul qualifies the the really I, I don't want to separate death and resurrection. They really it's it's a big mega event, but the resurrection is what he talks about yep. specifically. Yep. Yep. If it is that big celebration, what we what, what I've been telling people we're trying to do in Lent is to prepare to celebrate well. And and historically what the church has done for celebration days or feast days yep. is you fast in preparation. And so the celebration becomes greater by way of contrast. Yep. Um, and so the the this season, what I've been hoping that we're helping people see as we work toward the cross is that it's been a season of reflection and penitence and confession and, and almost like searching prayer, asking God to help me. Um, these are the phrases I've been using. Help me like stare my own sin in the eye a sure, little bit, sure. and to so that whenever I come to, well, this Sunday Justin's going to preach on um, on the crucifixion, and then on Friday, Good Friday, the second, we will have um, a, a service built around the, the entire service is going to be focusing on us remembering the crucifixion. Yes, <clears throat> yes, um, and and I think I just want those both of those worship experiences to be. Um, I don't want to fabricate emotion, yeah. but I, I want yeah. to I want to create an environment or prepare our hearts to kind of like you said, you you'll watch the passion in the dark yeah. in the really reflective uh, yeah. kind of spirit in the room, and to um, you know you you said I think this is interesting. You said we don't want to fabricate um, uh, emotion, or you know another way of describing it is we don't want to manipulate it. No, <clears throat> and what's interesting is is that I. I don't want to speak for you, but I agree with you completely. One of the reasons why I don't want to manipulate or fabricate is not because I'm against manipulation, which I am, by the way. So I am against manipulating people. But especially on something like this. Oh, yeah. I think it, it is so easy. And, and, and that's why um, there, were, there were a lot of people that almost felt like they were being manipulated by the, the movie itself or hmm. being manipulated by the way that preachers even describe right. the crucifixion. And, and I, I think I've heard it. I really can't go back and think of a, a specific thing, but I have probably walked away from a lot of messages. They don't have to be preached on Good Friday. A lot of messages 
where what they're what they seem to be trying to 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 do is to say, "Hey, I hope you're happy. You know, I hope you <laughs> liked your sin because look at what it did to the Son of God. Like, yeah. look at what He had to do for you." And um, you know, you you should you should literally sit there and think about like what you did. And by the way, part of that is what you said. Mm-hmm. We we literally should think about how our sin was uh, a, a, obviously. Um, a huge part of, of what's going on. So it's, it's clearly the context, right? Right. He came to take away sin, and not just the sins of the past, but the sins, so he dies 2,000 years ago, the sins of the future. So Jesus Christ comes to do this. And so there is a point in which we should sit and think about it. Right. But sometimes it's almost, I don't think they're meaning to manipulate like in a negative way, but they almost don't know how to look at it except for in some kind of a, like an emotional, feel sorry for kind of a context, and yeah. obviously more's going on than just Jesus going. I hope you're happy, like a scolding parent. Yeah, well, and and if you were to ask, what are the primary emotions that I would hope that the cross would elicit in the in the hearts and minds of people in this room? Well, you're gonna have to tell me about the person, because if it is a wayward believer, if it is sure. someone who is woefully immature and has no clear plan to grow in their holiness and in their sanctification, then I do hope that you experience a considerable amount of guilt looking at that cross. If it is, if it's Genevieve Hurst, I hope she comes to it, she'll probably feel guilty, but I hope she comes to it with just gratitude and admiration for what what God has done. And so it's almost like, I I don't mind a, a range of emotions, but if we can only feel guilt then I think we actually miss how the Bible presents it as this beautiful sacrifice that is not intended to ask you to, in some sense, continue to crucify yourself over the same sins over and over. In fact, if we yeah. get into it, yep. that yep. makes a mockery of what the cross actually did. Yeah, yeah. So um, what, what do you, um, so what did the cross, uh, and, and there's no way we're going to do this in our remaining, what, 20-ish minutes, yeah. 15, 20 minutes. What are some of the things that <clears throat> the cross uh, the cross accomplished? Um, the what, what was the what was the purpose of the cross? And you know we'll we'll, we'll talk about this for a little bit. We won't yeah. we definitely won't won't look at it in its uh, in, in its uh, in everything about it. But nope, because we're finite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, what, what I think is beautiful about it is um, it really as as the central element of history. It is so multi-layered, and um, and I think the one that we can we can begin with the the obvious one is the cross is the event by which God deals with our sins against Him, yeah. and and there's a host of different ways where you can talk about how He deals with it, what He's doing with it, to whom is the debt paid, right? Mm-hmm. We may mm-hmm. even get into that. Mm-hmm. So th- there's that that that's kind of on the surface. What if you ask your run of the mill everybody? Who, who knows and loves Jesus, what does the cross do? The run-of-the-mill everybody. The run-of-the-mill everybody. I like that. The run-of-the-mill all of you. I like that. Okay, anyway, so the run of the, you ask the run-of-the-mill everybody, uh-huh. and they say... Your average Joe would your say... average Joe. The cross is, is the event by which God pays, or God deals with our sin debt to him. Yeah. But then you, if, you, if you expand that out further, I would say, well, 
Paul would also say it is it is also the event through which God redeems the whole world to himself, all of creation. Yeah. It's it's yep. the event through which death is defeated. It is the event through which principalities of powers, you know, evil, yep. anything in rebellion against God is is initially defeated and it'll be finally defeated when things are consummated. But I mean you could keep going because it really is the center point of the Bible. It's the event where God's justice is displayed. It is yeah. an event where the mercy of God is held. And I really, th- I don't know if I could find a, a characteristic of God that we use to, sure. to talk about him that I couldn't talk about it through the, through the lens of the cross. Yeah, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Yes. And the, the concept that is being talked about here that will continue on in John 3, so that's John 3, 16, right? Literally talks about God giving Jesus Christ um, and him being lifted up. Which yeah. is the which is the cross imagery, um, and that anyone who looks upon him will find life. Yeah. So yeah, so like you, the you, snake in like the a, desert, like a snake in the desert. So you you literally have in that context um, the the love of God for God so loved the world. Yeah, that he that he did this, and so cro- the cross is at the center, obviously, of the love of God for us. Yeah, and if you stick with John, and I would even say it's it's a it's a large theme in Mark. The cross is the event through which Jesus is is kind of coronated, crowned, lifted up, ascended as king. Yeah. Um. In in Mark, he's the suffering king. In John, he's the glorified king. Yeah. And uh, and they look to this this um, deeply almost ironic way of of taking the throne, which is to be effectively murdered by another king. Yeah. So, so when you look at when you look at what he's accomplishing at the cross, let's just go in a little bit deeper here. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, one of the things I think is so important that we remember um, is that it is good for us to not just dwell on ourselves. Like, so for example, like you talked about a lot of what the Lytton devotionals are designed to do, and they've been helpful for this, for us to look at our sin and for us to reflect upon, um, and, and never just stare at your sin but always kind of have as the backdrop of our sin the holiness of God and the love of God and the kindness of God and the plan of redemption through the cross of God. So we're looking at all of these different things. So it's not just sit in your sin. It's literally, uh, but but don't also be someone who glosses over their sin. Mm. But then literally think about, so, and this is what I want to talk about, so the debt that has been paid, you know, we, we sing that song, Jesus paid it all, therefore all to him I owe. Sin had left the stain. Um, he made us white as snow. So he's drawing from the Isaiah imagery there. Um, and, and, and this is one of the things that I, I find to be most interesting is, is that we've never really kind of thought, like, what, what, we know we have a sin debt. Mm-hmm. And then the question becomes a little bit, like, who do you think? Uh, who's who the you, debt who, collector? Yeah, who's the debt collector? Yeah. And, and you know, and what does that mean? And, and what's, what's interesting is, is that either people don't care enough to think about where this theology leads um, and so they just kind of have this, there's God and there's the devil and there's Jesus and there's my sin and me and us and the world. I don't know how all that works, but I'm grateful that the, no, it's probably good for you to kind of think through how that works. So I remember we were talking about this yesterday when we were preparing for this, the, the great, Steve, you'll love this, the great Carmen uh, video slash song, The Champion. Where the the devil is the one who's uh, fighting Jesus in the ring. It's this famous boxing match, and uh, you know it's. Uh, t- I guess if he did it today, it'd be like a UFC fight, right? <laughs> but it's a it's a boxing match, and you know Satan's doing his thing, and it's 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 all this interesting. And we kind of almost have that idea that 
God has a plan um, and that the devil's desire is to kill Jesus. And once he kills him, he thinks he's won. Ha, 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 I killed your, I killed your Savior. <laughs> and that's not, it's not good theology. Um, I, I don't think it's good theology. Um, and so what you actually have happening is, is something that is actually much deeper. It, mm-hmm. it, it seems like um, although Satan and evil is clearly at work in things like betrayal and scourging and torture and mm-hmm. lying at a trial, like all, there's a lot of sin there that's happening. I don't know if Satan's not the puppet master. No. A, a, a mild version of that. So if you haven't seen the champion video, you've likely seen or read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is a mild version of that. Mm-hmm. Where you have the 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 witch, the witch, and all of her, you know, minions partying up on that big plinth stone table with with Aslan dead up on the table, like they've won. It's a it's another version of that. Yeah, it is another version of that. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's it's those kinds of things that popular level stuff that can can put us in a direction. We got into a debate Justin and I did in uh, uh, in one of our meetings this past week about whether or not C.S. How much C.S. Lewis believed that the devil was in there and we got into a debate about that. Yeah. But but literally I here I'll tell you what I think and then you tell me if, you know where you agree disagree. Well if you disagree it could get weird. But anyway, I could I, get we, fun. we've talked about it. So let's not pretend we fun. haven't discussed this before. <laughs> um but but literally what we have is the god of the universe who is the holy one who is my creator. I have I'll speak about my own sin. I have rebelled against him and therefore I am guilty of rebellion against God, and I have a, we call it a sin debt, but literally it is a crime against the God of the universe, Mm -hmm. that I have not lived for him, I have not lived the way that he has originally intended for me to live, Mm -hmm. and therefore I I owe, I, I deserve punishment for that, right? Right? Just like any, any crime that has been committed, like punishment is deserved, and God is, in fact, the judge, and God is, in fact, the one who was wronged, even though I've wronged you and Steve and my wife and my kids and my, the, my friends and my family. But God's the one who mm-hmm. ultimately I have wronged. Yeah. And so, therefore, there is a, a debt that needs to be paid or rectified um, with him. Right. right. You know where you can find that theology in a very surprising place? Psalm 51. Against you and you alone have I sinned. We, we dealt with that in Sunday school last week, and I said, that's not true. It's not true. What David's saying is not true. He has sinned against Bathsheba. He has sinned against Uriah. He has sinned against his own wife. Wives? I don't remember by that point. Wives. And so he's, so he's to even have <laughs> wives plural, he's been sinning against people for some time. But he, what, he, what he says in that psalm of repentance is... In comparison, yeah, yep. in terms of to to whom I owe a debt, against you and you alone have yep. I sinned. And yep. so he kind of has this very early understanding of that God is the one that is ultimately wronged in every misdeed. So there is a sense, and here's so here's what I like about this, is that then ultimately I sit not under Satan, right? Like right. somehow I owe owe something to him or he's got control of me when I'm when I'm a sinner out, outside of the grace of God. Right. It's not like Satan has control of me. We we talk like that as preachers too quickly. <laughs> if anything, tell me tell me what you think about this. If anything, I'm sitting beside him mm-hmm. waiting for the verdict to come down. Like we're we're literally both prisoners yeah. to our sin. We're both we're both violators 
of of God's covenant, or not God's covenant, God's, well, in some sense a covenant, right? I'm I'm, I'm violating uh, the creator of the universe, the one who made me, and Satan is too. And we're literally, um, he's he's a different being, but we're both kind of waiting for sentencing. Yep. And I would even say, I might even put him beneath you because God never died for him. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of like yep. if you get into some of the, the Peter material where the angels are just marveling at the gospel. And it's, why God incarnated as a human being yeah. to redeem humanity. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I really think it's important that when we look at this, I mean, I think some, I mean, a lot of our ideas of hell, right, is that Satan is the Lord of hell. And I'm like going, yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if God, and, and that he likes it. He likes the hot. Yes, he likes the. That's why he's he, never wearing a shirt. Well, even think about this: like to be even for Satan himself to be cast away from the presence of God, like that is judgment. It is right. So, and and we don't we don't think through that. We would go, well, he likes that. He doesn't like the presence of God. No, that's actually not true. Now, he, he here he is clearly an enemy of God. Yes, but he is completely dependent. Everything is completely dependent on God for its for its sustaining. Oh yeah, uh, existence. Let me run this by you. I think you'll agree the timeline could get muddled, but so Job yeah. one, Job 1 and 2, Satan is not in hell. Mm-hmm. He's running around the throne room of God playing games with Job, right? Yep. Revelation 12, the star is cast out of heaven. Yep. Now, I have I have read and agreed with the idea that Satan, his his real his his primary power was to to lie and accuse, yep. and when the cross takes place, he is he is at that point removed from the presence of God, cast away, cast yeah, yeah, in yeah, something yeah, like he yeah, God yeah. is obviously still sustaining his existence or he'd cease to exist. But um, it it's an interesting way to think through um, just how limited Satan is. For example, I I like to tell people if you if you really want to go down the demonology route. Satan is finite. He yeah. is not omniscient. He is not omni. He's not omnipotent. He's not all powerful, and he's definitely not all present. And so that means he can't be everywhere at all. Yeah. Don't give him godlike qualities. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met him. Yeah, I really don't think I've ever risen to the point that Satan's going to make a trip and find me, right? Yeah. And so you start to really think about the difference between a Satan figure and the God of the universe, you're like, holy cow, I think when we talk about this cross thing, we give this guy way too much credit. Well, exactly. And that's that's part of it. I mean, I I think as a kid growing up, and I didn't even Carmen to do the video because I loved the video and I loved the song and I probably sat there just weeping um, at at, at God's victory over this. um, At some level, I think I thought this on, you know, God was just somehow able to defeat him, kind of like the, uh, and I, I cannot believe I'm about to say this. Like how the Avengers beat Thanos. Thon- I don't know that. Thanos. 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 Thank you, Steve. Um, like that's 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 they, they he, he did it. God just you know kind of a last second buzzer beater. <laughs> it's like God pulled it out. Woo! He won. And so that's 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 kind of the that's kind of the the, the problem I think with some of our thinking. And so what is actually happening at the cross is God. There, I mean, there's evil existing. Don't get me wrong. There's evil happening. There's evil yeah. things that are being done to Jesus. And in fact, Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, likes to say that the one that did not know sin became sin. Mm. So sin is clearly in the mix of all of this. Yep. But 
When you go back and you look at how John the Baptist speaks about Jesus, behold the Lamb of God that comes to take this away the sins of the world. Before that, the angel, you will give him the name Jesus, for he will come and save his people from their sin. Um, all of that imagery, lamb taking away sin, removal of sin, um, you tell that to a Jewish person in the first century, and they're kind of uh, on the temple area, uh, thinking about a sacrifice yeah. and the lamb and then God accepting the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So Satan's not the one accepting it. And so it's, I think it's really, really important that what we, you know, what we see or how we kind of get it really is God working out our salvation yeah. for us in that sense. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that we, 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 I think we need to approach it initially like a Jewish person and think, um, what are the Old Testament precedents for how God deals with, with sin? Yep. Um, and so you have not only the sacrificial system, but you have specific sacrifices or specific um, ordained rituals within the sacrificial yep. system. So yep. like the, yep. the scapegoat in Leviticus 16, where on the Day of Atonement, all the, the sins of the nation are are in some sense conferred on this this animal. And it didn't always actually have to be a goat, but... And then they would just send it off to die, and with it the Well, it's sins. so funny because it's almost like, and they sent it off, and it was free. It's like to go out into the wilderness where there was nothing for it to eat. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's a picture of death, the sending out of the scapegoat. Um, a, a theologian named G.K. Beale, he write he he writes a number of books on um, particularly things that the Apostle John uh, wrote, but um, he wrote a book called uh, I can't remember what it's called. But it was it was it was basically so. GK is a is a revelation specialist. But it was talking. He, he was basically talking about how the consummation of all things in Revelation twenty one and twenty two is a is a recreation and even an embellishment of the garden. Yeah. It's a it's a bigger yep. and better version of yep. the original garden yep. Yep. in Genesis yep. one two and three. Yep. And he pointed this out, and and I I never picked up on this. He said from the beginning. God began using death to deal with sin, not just as a way of punishing it. Because he said, the uh, second Adam and Eve yeah, yeah, yeah. sin, like God, he uses, he gets a little preachery, yep. sacrifices animals yep. in order to clothe their shame. Yep. And he said, from that point, we see that God is both um, willing to get, quote, his proverbial hands dirty, but he is also very merciful, and he will... By the by, it, it almost sets a pattern. By the very same thing that that sin brings, death, God is able to use that to yeah. deal with the sins yeah. themselves. To uh, yeah, to I like that. That that's actually that's good. I mean, that's some that's some good theology. So what what we actually see then happening at the cross, and I think that's why it's um, it's it's so important that we kind of recognize. There's a, <clears throat> a, a somebody sent this to me. I thought it was really kind of interesting. Um, this is a critique of how some preachers do this. And if we ever, <clears throat> here at the church, if we ever talk like this, um, literally. Call your local elder hotline. Yeah, call your local elder hotline, 1-800-GET-RID-OF-RYAN-AND-JIM.COM uh, or .TV, I guess. Uh, did I, just, I'm just, I just blended together hashtag 1-800. I'll, I'll uh, bring a bunch of things together, but... Basically, it's, it's described like this, that God the Father is full of wrath against sin. He's just and holy. He demands punishment for sin. His righteousness causes him to become increasingly angry against sin. And then finally, he reaches the boiling point where he hits someone. The Son, however, is loving and compassionate. So that's, that's kind of a bad way to look at the Son and the Father. 
Yeah. As in, like, the dad's angry and the son is loving <clears throat> and caring. So you got something broken there. Um, the son then looks on sinful humanity with great compassion. He wants to extend grace and mercy. The father's righteous wrath demands that sinners be punished, but the son's merciful love wants to see sinners redeemed. No, if anything, it is the will of the father that the son goes to the cross. Mm -hmm. So there is a un working in unison together there, not working against one another. Yeah, I think that this, and, and I'm sure there's more of it you want to you mention, but yep. I think that this is a consequence of bad Old Testament, New Testament theology. Yep. Angry God of the Old Testament obliterates Canaanite tribes, and then finally in the New Testament, God finds a bottle of Prozac, and he's nice Jesus. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and that's what this story, this this concept of the atonement or the what took place on the cross, this is kind of that stuff come to fruition or blossoming. So I love this. So they reconcile the problem in this way. The son takes the punishment that sinners deserve and absorbs the father's fury. Now, Part of that is, I mean, the son does take on the wrath. Mm -hmm. I think that's what he means when he says, take this cup from me. So, who, you know, this, this, uh, this, this kind of this caricature of this way of speaking, although I can see preachers saying this. Oh, yeah. You know, I can, see, I can see preachers being guilty of this. So the father pours out his wrath upon the son, and he only stops when he is utterly exhausted and as the son lies in a broken and lifeless heap. So it's almost, you know, the dad's uh, or the father, God the father is like this, you know, alcoholic angry it flies dad. off the handle it flies off the handle and finally he looks at what he's done and he feels bad for what he's done yeah. i mean all of that is so bleh, so not biblical thus the father's wrath is dealt with and the son's love is extended as the father turns away from the son and rejects him which i'd love to talk about that about what jesus is saying um, God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then what, it, what does it even mean that the God... I hear people talk about, like, and God turned his back on him. Mm. You, you, you just said a moment ago, the proverbial hands of God. So even as we try to explain what's going on there within the Trinity, it's, it's a complicated thing. Yes. So we really can't have it. So essentially you have, you know, and I would even say, like, what, what, what's being described there is, going back to what you said earlier, it's this manipulative way of trying to explain what's happening. And it's so unhealthy because instead of Good Friday being this wonderful time in which we see the will of the Father being accomplished through the obedience of the Son, it is a loving Father who sends His Son that He loves mm -hmm. to die. Um, and again, you might go, I don't get it. I'm going, totally. But I hope you didn't mean by that meaning that you don't receive the yeah, grace that has yeah. been given, right? So I, I, I understand the complexity of trying to figure that out. But again, the Apostle Paul says at multiple levels, I think this is, is worked out, that the cross is foolishness, mm. but not to those who are being saved. To those who are lost, it is foolishness. Right. Because a certain kind of person, he says, he's, he names them more explicitly, wants wisdom, and another wants signs. But what we actually have is a cross, mm -hmm. which is foolishness. And I, I would even say to you that it's 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 good for us to try to think about what happened on the cross. I I think that if you are trying to just have like a, a like a perfect understanding, or as you try to sort it out. I mean, we love to study the Trinity, mm -hmm. and it seems like whenever anybody thinks they have it all nailed down, they're probably a heretic. Yeah, you've moved into some kind of heretical yeah. position because it's beyond your comprehension. It, it is. It's, it's it's beyond definition. It's beyond mm -hmm. it's beyond an analogous. It's beyond uh, the English language, yeah. as is the cross. Yeah, so that's that's the part. But 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 some things that we definitely need to do is to make sure that as you're reflecting on the cross this Easter, this Lenten season, um, 
that you're paying attention to what he is doing and always always hold the love of the father for us but if god loves us he loves his son himself mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. so you 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 can never really have this you know well, god I, beating <laughs> it's it's so it's so broken i can think of two primary accounts in the gospels where um somebody tries to convince the son that yeah. the plan of the father is is not good, but you could insert not loving, not what we ought to do. The mm-hmm. one, the, the first is Satan tempting Jesus in the wilderness. He's yeah. trying to divert the plan of God away from the cross. I, yeah, I don't so. know. I don't know what he knows about the future, but it, he does seem to like want to bypass something. Yes. Yeah. No. That's, that's and a good point. Uh, and that doesn't go well. And then the other one is Peter after yeah. his great confession, yeah. and uh, and he wants to stop Jesus from doing what Jesus says he's going to do. And that by that point in the Gospels, Jesus is becoming more and more explicit about what's going to happen to him. And uh, when Peter says that. In effect, that wouldn't be the right loving thing to do. Yeah. Jesus calls him Satan yeah. and says, "We're not going. We're not going to go your way, bud. We're going to yeah. go the way of the Father." Which, at no point, and I would say, not even in the garden when he is asking for the cup to be removed, does Jesus um, ever seem critical of the plan or resistant to the plan, but he seems, especially if you go to Luke's gospel, starting in chapter 9, he seems intent on the plan. He sets yeah. his face toward yep. Jerusalem. Yep. 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 So he's no, he's not an unwilling victim of, a, of some... Hate crime. Yes. Yeah. He's, no, he's it's, really it's not, just not, it's not. It's not what's happening. That's why, that's why you can't ever look at anyone in particular, although Jesus says that generation was judged. Right, so you have what's going to be happening to the city of Jerusalem in, in seventy A.D. Jesus seems to be pointing to that, mm-hmm. but the that the Jewish people themselves um, are, uh, you know, the Old Testament describes them as the apple of God's eye and the intent of His redemption and restoration and love. And ninety nine percent of the early church. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and if you study church history and look at um, after the apostles had had kind of. Uh, Moved on into northern regions and heading up, to, you know, toward Antioch and stuff, and and they'd fled Jerusalem. The vast majority of the early con, uh, converts in Jerusalem, those three thousand were saved, and then five thousand, you know, th- all those numbers. They would say a considerable number of those would have been those with Pharisaical leanings. Yeah, which is yeah. pretty astonishing. Because well, there's a line that Stephen says, and a large number of, of priests became obedient to the faith. Um, and so, you know, this Easter, make sure that you remember um, that, yes, the, the wrath of God was satisfied by the gift of God to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, it's not arbitrary. It is, it is clearly part of God's character. I love that you said earlier, we need to hold all of these attributes of God together. So it's not like he was, um, he wasn't loving at the moment. He kind of suspended his love and then dealt in wrath. Like God doesn't suspend parts of himself. No. He is, a, he is a one being. Um, and it's not even healthy for us to try to divide that up. And the oneness of his being is a big part of why we talk about that he didn't turn his back on Jesus. Yeah. He, Jesus was killed, but it, yep. it, it gets complicated real fast. But yep. um, when, you, when you hold all of the... Um, the attributes of God, and even some of the loftier ones, the fact that he is self-existing or that he is a simple being, and those have so many implications. It just, there's a lot about, there's a lot of sloppiness about what took place on the cross that can be just dismissed as not possible, 
whenever you talk about the nature and character of God. And we didn't get it all done today. I don't think, Steve. Did we get everything covered that could possibly be spoken no not at all so we might do it again maybe next easter maybe before then hope this has been uh helpful for you i pray that specifically um you're able to to spend some time being grateful for what god both father son and or all father son and spirit um accomplished for himself first and foremost and for us Mm -hmm. Um, have a blessed easter and lenten season we love you guys